Welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. We have a very special episode tonight where we are bringing you uh, our analysis of Tame Impala, Inner Speaker. Uh, so let's say hi to the uh, panel tonight. Uh, we are Robless, that is to say, without Rob. Uh, perhaps I should have mentioned that last, but whatever. So any case, Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Doing all right. How about yourself? Um I, you know, I guess, um, actually I'm, I'm doing great. Time. Yeah. You know, um, just got back from, uh, from Colorado, took a little trip, took the oh, yeah. uh, family do, out. Do any took fishing some, out there? No. Um, you know, I, I made the mistake of not getting a telescopic lens. Um, oh, okay. Be my next thing. I tried to, uh, fit my two piece into the carry on and a little too big. Right. Yeah. I got a good, uh, I got a good one for you. Right. Uh, been happy yeah. With. So, um, no, unfortunately I did not get to, um, but, um, yeah, I saw the opportunities for next time for sure, but got some nice hikes in and got to uh, breathe the fresh mountain air up at, uh, 10,000 feet. So it was cool. You smell like pine. Yes. A lot of snow up at 10,000 feet still. Those, uh, right. those, Roads were not yet plowed, but um, you know, yeah, I was wondering some, about that. Well, yeah, we got some hikes in a little bit below that, so it was nice. nice. And they just got a bunch of snow like not too long ago, it was mm-hmm. holding pretty, pretty well up there. Fresh that snow, time. there was like snow on the kind of the front doorstep of our place when we got there, it was melted by the time we were gone, but yeah, mm. can't wait. Wow. I miss the mountains. Yeah, I'm going to the mountains in a month, which I'm pretty stoked about. Same ones, right? Uh, yeah. Rockies. Yeah. yeah, Rockies right there. We're going to see uh, Umphreys shows. We just got our Umphreys like... McGee. Umphreys McGee. Right on. We just got our announcement Yay. that we've got Put that on the playlist. And, oh, I will. Yeah, we'll definitely put some Umphreys on the playlist. All right. Um, yeah, one of my favorites. Got into it a little bit on Facebook with my buddies, uh, Jason Coop and Matt Rubio. They started bashing Umphreys <laughs> and saying that, that, that Tool was essentially Umphreys, but didn't suck as bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's exactly I'll have to what do I a re- I'll have to do a re-listen of that. That's all I could say was like, what? I can barely connect this. I don't know. It was wild. But this is Jed. I'm doing well. And uh, went to my first concert in a long, long time on Saturday. I went to see Umphreys, actually. Um, oh, you're at the that? only band I see or I'm into, but they're in it Chicago, just happened right? That they were at a drive in theater in at Chicago. Toyota Park. Yeah, yeah, in Chicago. Right. And uh, right. I think this is like one of the last drive in theaters space. that they're doing. I think from here on out, it's like, they're figuring out like the pod system. And I, I think in like a month or two, everything's just going to be pretty much normal. And Full not, capacity, right? Yeah, it did not feel, it, everything felt a lot looser than the last time I went to a show, which was really great right. and fun. It was, it was fun to cut loose after kind of a just it's been a long, long time. year, you know? It's been a long first half of that year. So Big time. I think everyone's I'm itching excited. to get out and uh, do some stuff. And uh, Andrew, time. how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I got a lot going on in my life. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't know who's listening to this and who isn't. Uh, my daughter does have leukemia, but she is doing great. 
so, um, you know, nothing but positive vibes there. Uh, but I just thought I would uh, let people in on what's going on in my life so I don't have to permanently sit here and say, oh, it's going great. Yeah. Uh, but it is going well. I mean, in the, I mean, as far as her leukemia goes, it could not be going better. So um, we're extremely positive and proud of that, uh, which is great. Great news. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's out of the bag. So. Um, you know, in other news, uh, uh, I'm also, uh, going, yeah, I'm getting divorced. So <laughs> that let me catch everyone up just on who I am and where I am. Uh, and I might edit this out. You never know, but I just thought that I would, uh, use tonight to get all that out of the way as we get set to enter our, well, perhaps our third season. I mean, what reason I say that is you might be hearing this later than that. So, um, this was recorded before our third season. So, uh, any case, uh, I just want to do a little self revelation tonight and, uh, maybe I'll start doing therapy over the microphone to our fans. Uh, but, I don't love uh, that. oh, they will love that. Isn't that what we're doing right now? <laughs> uh, that's what I'm doing. They start emoting over the, uh, over Dr. the Dr. Drew. They call me Dr. Drew. No, I think that's going to help. I'm glad you let everyone in on your uh, your little inner sanctum Thanks, there man. other than us because, yeah, you know, it's, it's we've been doing all that for a long time, but it's got to be a little, little freeing to. It is because I hope to be able to converse more on the podcast. And um, when you're holding back, on, as we learned in the wall episode, when you're holding back on something, you're holding back on everything. So, uh, just tried to, uh, um, I don't know, free it up. So, uh, beyond that, um, uh, shit, I've been going fishing a bit, caught myself a whale with Jed the other last week or two. Yep. Yeah, he did. Biggest of the season so far, for sure. It was about 12 inches long and uh, probably weighed about four pounds. Heck yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) fatter than a football. No, it was probably a pound and a half. I will say it had moderate girth for a 12, 13 incher. But, it was bigger uh, than the crappie that I grabbed, for well, sure. Yeah, it's crappie or smaller fish. That's for sure. <laughs> crappie, uh, for sure. So, you know, I think we mentioned this. Uh, can you guys hear the cars outside my house right now? But uh, uh, are they singing yeah. Let's Go? Are they Let's having a concert go. in the parking lot? Oh, that would be awesome. Go Kasich in your parking lot. I just realized I actually have a soft spot for the Cars. But uh, you're lucky I didn't choose a Cars album for season three. But uh, in any case, um, so, uh, you know, listening to, uh, I've listened to my Pandora station like a motherfucker, and that always means lots of punk, always means lots of OCs, King Gizzard, Buzzcocks, uh, Kinks, um, all types of, uh, my fresh medley of tunes that I, uh, dig into when I get into my pan, I mean, you know, everyone's got a personalized curated, I'm going to turn my buzzer off in case people are texting me right now. Um, curated, uh, uh, Pandora station. So everyone's got one and, uh, that was mine. Actually what's happening right now is a showmate is actually, texting me 
And uh, I figured, oh, oh, that's right. I see. <laughs> Kevin would like me to acknowledge his fish. Kevin also caught a fish, and it, well done. It, it looks pretty similar to, to mine. Uh, so good for him. I see the biting of the lower lip to signify that it's hefty. But uh, so I finally joined the club. I uh, yeah, got one this year. Got one again. So this is now the Music Challenge Fishing Podcast. Uh, in case anyone's wondering, but we're just joshing. We're talking about uh, actually tonight. Um, Rob's not with us, which is too bad because he's a big fan of this album. But we were we are talking about uh, Tame Impala. Uh, it's hard to know how to say that. It's not Tame Impala's inner speaker because um, Tame Impala is basically one dude. So uh, uh, I guess I chose this album. Um, so, um, I will, uh, take it away. Um, it's not easy to pick an album for the four of us, uh, because there, we do have kind of an age range going on. Um, I'm turning 29 this year and Jed is actually 40, uh, <laughs> by 29. Yeah. Is it your 29th, 21st birthday? <laughs> yeah. The big five oh twenty nine year old birthday. So uh we do have kind of a span. Uh we all kind of got into music differently, meaning older brothers and not older brothers. And uh um so like the overlap, but you know, but that's one of the reasons why we kind of that's one of our chemistry. We've got some solid overlap too though. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. what, nine, ten years. Yeah, nine, ten years. We do have some solid overlap, and we also, one thing is the diversity is pretty huge, too. Uh, so, you know, Kevin's more my age. Rob is more Kevin's age, uh, kind of. Actually, you might be closer to Jed. That would hurt me hard. So I came up with the 2010's Tame Impala Inner Speaker, which is somewhat in modernity, even though it's not in Jed's wheelhouse. And uh, Kevin and I are pretty familiar out. with it. Well, I'm just saying you you weren't familiar with it. I was not familiar with it. The first time I heard of Tame Impala um, was from the, from you guys, from the podcast. And I was previously uh, familiar with the artist that did the cover art on the album <laughs> like uh, prior to knowing that album. Lars. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know his name. What is it? Uh, Podhajas, Podhajski. Pochatsky. Oh, yeah. Pochatsky. Leif Pochatsky. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Pochatsky. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Actually, I'm I think he, uh, Leif, I believe is how you would. Leif. Yeah. That's like a Viking. <laughs> yes. Could only assume that it would be like a Viking. Well, <laughs> Horns like and all. Yeah. Yes. So, in any case, uh, yeah, the artwork of this album uh, is mysteriously similar to uh, Uma Guma. Um, it was designed by Trey Parker. Or I knew I'd do that. I knew I'd do that. All right. There's a, there's a dollar in the bucket. Trey is like really. He's got his, a lot of a lot of irons and a lot of fires. Kirkman. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm a giant South, South Park fan. So I'll make the Kevin Parker Trey Parker exchange more than once. But uh, yeah. So it kind of looks like the Uma Guma uh, album cover. To tell you the truth. Um, you know, we'll get more to that in a little bit. So what other, how else did you know this dude? Me? Yeah. The album cover artist. Oh, just being, I like, I went just familiar with a lot of art stuff. So like 
you own non fungible <laughs> I do not own NFTs of his right now. No. <laughs> I own several of his NFTs. So <laughs> that was Ethereum. No. But of course, uh, but of course uh, I still was asking how. But that's fine. And I don't know. really know. Like just f- familiarity with like like he's got some books and I think he's done some other like graphic artist it's done a bunch of stuff um and i think i actually saw an image like the front cover of this of this album and uh and kind of like searched it and then because i was trying to source it and there's actually another artist that i thought it was um oh, that's, right how, that's why i came i had come across him but it like it happened years ago so i <laughs> and then like i i just never put the cd in the <laughs> Like I, I right. got a weary if I even saw it. I think I actually saw it on a poster. Right. And then was like, oh. Texas the Hills was North Carolina, to tell you. And the then truth. completely ignored the album, which is too bad. I wish I had heard it a long time ago. Sir, sir, sir. So what were your first impressions of the album, Chad? First impressions. Uh you know, it's it struck me I've I've I started listening to it earlier when you guys like just from like hanging out with you guys. I guess we've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. Yeah, it's come up and uh and I and I've put it on a couple times and um but never sat down and really like absorbed it. And I'm embarrassed to say I had completely forgotten that it was it's it is one guy, right? It's Kevin Park. Like he's Well, yeah, he he does he does the recording of the songs and he transfers the songs to bands to to his a band to for, his band. Well, it, it, the band varies tour by tour. Right. Tour, tour by tour. But uh and that um, that explains a lot and um you know, I kind of I kind of struggled like working through it and I I tend to do that a lot with psychedelic albums like it takes a little work for me. Um to kind of like look at it right and like in the right realm or in the kind of in the right way. And so like the first time I listened to it, you know, a week and a half ago or whatever, straight through, I was like, okay, next time I'm going to listen to it on headphones. So I did that and tried to change it up, like where I was listening to it, where I would, you know, working through it. Cause it tempo wise, there's a little bit of tedium for me. Like it's a little, it's very just like, the same. I, I like a little bit more. Okay, we'll talk about that more later, actually, because I, I noticed that myself. And uh, but the like, I was listening to it today, and I and I had like yesterday, I, I had a little taste and like listened to maybe like a third of it, and was starting to to get into it. Um, I picked out a few like spots where I was catching kind of these glimpses of stuff that I like. Like um, what? Like what? Uh, there's a moment in Alter Ego. Oh yeah, that one. Um, I don't. I didn't write down the the timing, but there was like, don't worry about. There was a great spot in it that just there was a change in it for me that really that really struck and was just like right there. It's those moments where I think there's as, as slight as the builds and there's, there aren't these like long, slow, like big rises, um, but things just like slowly creep up. And then there's like 
but everything's very subtle. It's very like, it's a quiet album and, um, a little bit. It's got some violent moments, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. What are some violent moments? Do you have a, uh, well, you know, you, you're kind of right in the, like to me, uh, it's hard to articulate what I, I guess. Yeah. The, the, the album, the album came off as a little formulaic. I mean, uh, yeah, but it's his, it's his first album. Um, so that's, you know, kind of understandable to me. Um, but, but that's not to say it wasn't interesting and also moderately groundbreaking, uh, at its time. Um, so I, I guess, you know, when I, when I'm thinking of like violent moment, like, you know, there, there's a part of it, it, it is not meant to be, which is the first track on the CD where, uh, uh, all the instrumental elements of the song just all come together. And I guess it's not as violent as it is just like it's a symphony. fact is that you know yeah. it's kind of like prince it's kind of like prince in a couple ways if you really want to know the truth first of all it's very sensual type music in my opinion i mean these are love songs right and uh second of uh prince also records all the instruments by himself in the studio for the most part or when he wants to you know purple rain was basically him and the Rev revolution was on two or three tracks um, he played every other goddamn instrument on that album, but, and that's what, so for people who don't know, Kevin Parker does the recording of the albums on his own. Um, and then it's transferred to a live deal. Did we already explain that? I think so. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, go ahead, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I saw them on this tour at the Metro actually. Right. Yeah. Right, um, cool. and when I first heard this album, like you said, Andrew, it was kind of mind blowing just in the sense that to me, it felt like if young Pink Floyd existed at that time and John Lennon were singing with them, that's what this kind of sounded like to me. Like, and it was this um, really that's not bad like soundtrack of an era <laughs> exactly like it's this kind of, right like this um like kind of dream team soundtrack of an era that when i i don't know um what i can describe about the cabaret metro other than if you're not in line the first person in line literally you're gonna have awful there's about one good place to stand in the Cabaret Metro. Otherwise, <laughs> and I wasn't at it. Otherwise, you're, do was, you're behind a yeah. pole or something. And um, so, yeah. It, and I, all I could, yeah. It, I as Kevin have, calls it, like uh, being what, what are you, one of the judges at the Muppet Show hanging over the balcony there. Exactly. If you're oh, not yeah. doing that, all you can do is hear it. And the thing that um, at the time it sounded, I felt like I was at, a Pink Floyd show, you know, at a young yeah. Pink Floyd show. Um, it was psychedelic as hell. And I don't know. Um, 
I thought that this now looking back on it, it's clearly someone just trying to find his sound. This isn't what he wanted to stay with ultimately. Right. right. Because yeah, clearly, point. um, you know, he, has progressed into almost a completely electronic artist at this point in time, you know, and um, titrated his guitar use to almost nothing now. And to me, I don't know. um, I thought that this is a decent attempt and it gets to me progressively better, like with those first three albums and then kind of falls off a cliff and it's a shame. I just, I don't really, I don't listen to Tame. I don't hang on it as much. I listened to his newest album and um, it, it, like I gave it one listen, but I never kind of went back to it. The first three albums though, I think, you know, he had a really good sound and I yeah. just wish he would play guitar more. Um, but at the time, this was one of many bands. There were a lot of psychedelic bands, if you think about it, or bands that were certainly inspired in music coming from relatively branches of the same tree, right? White Denim, right. Portugal, The Man. Um, who else did we talk about, Andrew? Um, um, oh, Spoon was in there. Some other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there were a Mouse, lot. Was that part of that wave? Um, I know they were a little earlier than that, to tell you the truth. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, this was one of those bands um, that was that was kind of tapping in from from earlier psychedelic music eras, and yeah. um, you know, kind of finding a, a new sound. Um, Real estate—that was another band we were talking about. Right. Yeah, so there were they were kind of referencing other sounds. But modernizing him, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this album was very critically acclaimed and earned Kevin Parker several trip. Kevin Parker? Yes. yes. Uh, earned him uh, <laughs> several trips around the world in the form of world tours, headlining festivals. And the reason it was, you know, you know, one of the giant uh, reasons was that, uh, you know, it, it was supposedly was, was a modern reflection of, of, you know, 60s psychedelic rock, which, you know, is kind of the idea of, say, what is 60s psychedelic rock? Well, I kind of looked it up. And uh, the unanimous kind of description is that, you know, it reflects drug-influenced states through the use of feedback, electronics, and intense volume. We get it, right? He sounds like the Beatles, I mean, that's kind of like the music sounds right. like the Beatles. Well, like, sounds, there's no doubt this yeah. album sounds like it. And he, he I kept coming, I kept coming back gonna to I completely you, uh, agree with that. I think there are moments where it sounds like the Beatles for sure. Um, I, I think it, I think he nails it or just like I, for me, the, like the whole album like centers around uh, Jeremy's Storm. Uh, like, that is the song. one song on this album that I like. It's I looked at like th- three or four times and been like, what? Oh, this is it. Like, this is what I want more of.
And I think that fate is probably what he steered away from more, right? With like, there's a lot of guitar on that and it's kind of yep. rocking and like, it yeah, kind of turns. I mean, I guess there is, I respect that though. Like there's, there's plenty of rock music out there. Like if you're an artist that's really dedicated to like finding something. Yeah. Dude's headline festivals. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's hard to argue with yeah. his career path. You know, he clearly made the right choices, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a great start for him for sure. Um, you know, obviously not what he sounds like as much today, but still a fun listen overall. And I, yeah, I agree with put, Jeremy Storm that we should for put sure up. belongs on the playlist. Right on. Nice. What, what'd you say, Judd? I don't know. I spaced it. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, why don't we take a break here on the Music Challenge podcast and what song should we go out on? Kevin? I think we should go out on Solitude is Bliss. Yeah. Solitude is Bliss. It's a beautiful song. So we'll go out on that. We'll be back in just a minute. Uh, Smoking if you got them. And uh, check out in a few. See ya. from the Music Challenge Podcast, and I want to tell you how you can help us bring you more awesome music commentary episodes. You can subscribe in the listening app of your choice, or you can share this episode with someone you think might dig it. Please leave a rating and review for us on the listening app of your choice, or you can get in touch with us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com, or check us out on Facebook. Just search Music Challenge Pod and like us to follow us. We hope you enjoy the Music Challenge Podcast, and thanks for listening. podcast we just threw in a little bit of runway houses city clouds that's what you just listened to uh, a little snippet of it as long as we can play within the uh, legal limits of the law um just so and that's know. well and that's the song that struck me as the one that was like okay this is where kevin parker really wanted to go right that's the one that's got the techno influence 
on the intro and it's very electronic before he gets going. It's got a really heavy bass line in it. Like he's really playing the bass instead of the guitar and a lot of it. And all of that electronic stuff that starts off the song just kind of called to me is like, okay, this is where he was going to, this is where he was headed. You know, he hadn't gotten there yet, but he had, some of those elements crept in, in a, in a really interesting way that didn't necessarily show itself upon the first listen, but considering where, you know, he's at now, right. That was the song to me that most sounded like the current version of him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Developing his direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, but it pretty, was, I mean, pretty long song. It's the long, longest song on the album, seven minutes and 15 seconds, something like that. Right. Yeah. The first couple of minutes are all that electronic stuff. And then it kind of starts to get crunchy again, but right. you know, it's, it's got that early. Yeah. It, it, it's the early sign of where he's headed. It's kind of a cool, uh, it's kind of a cool forecast. If you, uh, if you follow the guy's career and kind of see where he ended up. Yeah, right on. What do you guys think of the drumming on this album? Kind of different. Well, the way it was, it was recorded kind of lo-fi. And it, you yeah, know, yeah. There, no, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's very much a backing, and like that, and it's heavy. Yeah, and I think that I think it was something that I was starting to, to I was starting to figure out uh, yesterday and today listening to it. You know, like. Cause it's like, it was just something I hadn't really listened to. So I had to really dive in and be like, okay, this is a challenge. I'm going right. to like figure this out. And the second I was driving like early this morning and was listening to it. And, uh, and I was like, you know, he's using his voice just as another instrument, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's always the case, but like here, especially cause it was part of, that was part of the, like my problem getting into it is like, I I'm not, real into just the like oh i gotta like the guy's voice um Hmm. i guess but this is like he's using his voice in such a different and like hum it's almost like this hum throughout everything else that he's like layering underneath it right and uh it sort of made a lot more sense to me then like just i don't know it's kind of something that uh like a single composer can do because like you know like subtle vocalizations like that get lost in in the idea mix of the of a final song mm-hmm. but you know it, you know one of his joys as you said was like you know layering up his voice 5000 times for a half second you yeah. know so it sounds that brief moment blissed out you know yeah um but I was just, as far as the drums go, I was just really intrigued with how, you know, the rest of the album is really blissed out and kind of precisely recorded and mixed. And then you have this kind of, I mean, the drums are obviously recorded like in kind of an open setting. second they kick in you can you can hear it. it's a, it's almost got a background hiss to it like you know it's 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 so not crisp uh but i think that's endearing uh while the rest of the album is reverbed out and blissed out as i said you know the drums are very flat and 
loud in the mix for that matter. Um, that was it's, my I've, personal opinion. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it feels like a nod to that kind of old psychedelic sound to me. You know, um, where drums weren't mic'd as well back for a lot right. of those albums, right? And so he lists yeah. one of his influences as Cream, which would be Ginger Baker, which I mm-hmm. gotta admit sounds a lot like these drums, kind of from what I know about Ginger Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other influences, uh, Jefferson Airplane. And you know there's got to be oh, some yeah. Grateful Dead in there. If you if you went to Jefferson Airplane, then you definitely went to the Grateful Dead. Blue yeah. Cheer, which is another psychedelic San Francisco type thing. They have a pretty big single that we'd all know that I can't think of. Uh, My Bloody Valentine. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Um, you know, I for me in college. Yeah, I tried to get into that album. It was just kind of a wall of noise. And I understand that people like that wall of noise. So I have a lot of respect for that album, but I just, I, I still have not been able to wrap my head around it. But I get that a lot of people like it. Yeah, it kind of did what it did for the first time, uh, which was the layering of the guitars that influenced uh, even one Trey Anastasio. Trey Anastasio. <laughs> Uh, and you know, Pink Floyd, you know, he loves, I guess he loves lo-fi music and the lo-fi, uh, studio type effects, as we've kind of discussed, there's some kind of choppy editing in the, in, on this album too, which, you know, he obviously left in for whatever, uh, performance reason, uh, electronic music, obviously, um, as Kevin said, even more evident in his, uh, later later albums and uh pink floyd uh which kevin went into extensively um so yeah i mean kevin nailed down to pink floyd and uh john lennon ganging up and doing a jam and yes it does have exactly the kind of 60 that i mean that's the idea it's a re you know it's kind of a a modern take on a 60 psychedelic garage whatever yeah, and all of those, I mean, you think about all of those bands all from Australia and New Zealand and just that part of oh, the world right. now that just kind of owe their debt of gratitude to him making that music cool again, especially that music from that part of the world. Yeah, he definitely jump-started. Cool again, right? Days. And right. so in a lot of ways, he brought Credence back to that. And so, I, you know... Although he didn't himself stay there, the fact that all these other bands sprung up is such a really cool offspring of this album, right? And the first few, the first few albums, you know, like I said, up until like Elephant, I mean, right? Like he got kind of like super popular after that. And then, you know, if they're going to offer you a headlining gig at Coachella, you know, keep doing that, whatever it works, you know, right. I mean, why, why stop? Right. You know, you don't need to impress me and my 12 friends or whatever, who are listening to our podcast. Hopefully it's more than that, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's selling out Coachella for Christ's sake. So God bless him. And you know, the, the legacy that he left really, when I think about it, and it's kind of cool that, I'm really now coming to this realization. I, I didn't really think about it until we started talking about all of all of these other bands, and you know, they're really um, they really owe a debt of gratitude to like him and this album. You know, this 
he had that EP that was, I think, a little bit before this that had Desire Be, Desire Go on it. And, you know, when you think about that song, wow, um, it's fantastic. Right. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it brings, it kind of brings all of it together. Um, it kind of has the epitome of that 60 psychedelic rock interlude at the end of the song. Exactly. It's exactly. guitar heavy. It's got a minimalist kind of deal with a steady drum beat. You know, the instruments are representing, it's not, you know, there, there's a lot of psychedelic music now that is more of a lull, you know, which is fine. You know, that's what it does, you know, but it's not, you know, kind of representing an acid trip, so to speak. Um, but, you know, it's using the feedback, all that other volume, and, you know, kicking it. All of these. Bands. Well, I mean, if you, you know, the Kimono Drag Queens, yeah, I would say is probably one of the albums that, would be like kind of the modern day, um, you know, stepchild of uh, of the Tame Impala legacy um, coming out of that part of the globe. Um, they have an album that is, um, you know, it's it's psychedelic, it's rhythmic, it it kind of combines some of these things that maybe started here and and updated them a little bit with some different influences, but. I would recommend that people give that a listen. We'll, we'll throw it on the playlist. Um, you know, uh, Jed, oh, no drag queens. Um, that is definitely worth, worth your ear. Um, I've listened to it a couple times and like, yeah. What else do you one? got from that, that part oh, of the globe, man. right? Um, like, Mount man. Mountain is from down there. Um, you know, King Gizzard, like I said, you could, to make a full-time job out of following all their recorded material, right? Yeah, they have been very prolific. ACDC. Ha ha ha. Yes, that's the show I want to do a podcast. Oy, oy. About how great and how awful and how fun they are um, at the same time. They were pretty great yeah, for a like, couple albums. They were, and that's all they needed to be. Um, and they left their mark on music. And uh, their concerts were some of the most fun concerts I it ever It would have to, yeah, that would be a riot to go to an ACDC concert back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would Bon Scott, for sure. Well, and I mean, you could tell, like, when I went to go see that Tame Impala show, I showed up way late. Um, I was, you know, I, honestly, I had a pair of tickets. Nobody wanted to go with me. So I, I, the person that I finally got to go, he was working late. And so I had to wait and pick him up at the Metro stop and then find a parking place and then walk over there. It was such a giant Royal pain in the ass. I think we got in there for the last half of the show, but you could, and like I said, we had crappy seats, but you could even tell like, I, this band's going to be huge someday. They they were that good on stage, just playing his stuff. You know, you could tell it. It felt right. like you were seeing an early Pink Floyd show. Um, 
you know, it's. I've seen uh, a few Tame Tame Impala shows myself, and I actually saw a tour for the third album, which was at the UIC Pavilion here in Chicago, of all places, uh, which is a considerably bigger venue. Like, what would you call that? Eight to about eight to uh, eight to ten thousand, depending on something like that. Uh, It's a small to medium sized basketball arena here in Chicago for a university of Illinois, Chicago. And, uh, but I mean, it's kind of weird because they kind of had the whole psychedelic light show going for, for that. Uh, but I felt like they didn't have a clue of what to do on stage for a big performance. Like they just had no idea how to act in an arena, which is kind of funny because I know they've done like, you know, giant festivals at that point. But um, they seemed really confused up on stage, he and his uh, performers. And there was also, there was incredibly awesome parts of the show. Mind Mischief from the, uh, from the second album was an incredible highlight. And, uh, um, but a few songs off of the uh, third album, you know, the current album was, was pretty cool too. Um, but there yeah, were moments, hits, there are moments right? where he puts down the guitar. Yeah, the hits. Yeah. Uh, uh, but there are moments where he puts down the guitar and wandered away from it to go over to the keyboard. And that's when you're kind of like, dude, get back to it. So, I mean, um, it was a good time though. It was a good time. Yeah. So actually Rob was with me, Rob and our buddy, big Nate, uh, whoever that is. And, uh, we'll say your last name. So yeah, it was a good time. It was at UIC pavilion here in Chicago. So, uh, yeah, 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 the, the, I, I thought they may be a headline in Lollapalooza here this year, but apparently that's not the case. They found their own lame quadrant of headliners. Um, yeah, Lollapalooza was apparently a first, whoever signed up first, uh, got to play. And uh, I think I knew about five bands on that entire right. <laughs> like I, it I made it me feel like me. an. Out, I the whole time <laughs> I I was looking at it going, how many of these bands were literally made up during during the pandemic, <laughs> yeah. right? Like just, just like yeah, they didn't stage. exist before the pandemic, and they it just was their pandemic up, project, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It made me feel like an out of touch dad, which I'm, you know, I, I kind of am on some level. Um, <laughs> but for Christ's sake, you know, that I I I recognize very few of those bands and liked even fewer of them. My, I can guarantee you, my nephew is going just for Post Malone. Who I'm, I I can't tell you how relieved I am that Billie Eilish is not there. She's playing. She played. Uh, She's headlining Governor's Ball Fest one night, and I thought for sure she'd be doing Lollapalooza, and I'd have to take it. That would have made sense, yeah. Oh, I'm so no. grateful. Oh, I'd like much, much rather go to the United Center and, and take her to that or up to Milwaukee or somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know, like I that. mean, that was yeah. for me, Lollapalooza is a special situation where that's not on the table. But that's just me. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. Um I am committed to taking my daughter to see Billie Eilish live. Um, I believe in live music as a spiritual healing force. My daughter has been locked inside of her bedroom for the past year. I don't care how many people will be present. I'm going to take her to go see Billie. Um, One way or the other, um, 
we'll make Good it happen. You. And I'm just so grateful that I don't have to go to Lollapalooza to do it because of all <laughs> there my you go, God, There you go. There you go. I'm so incredibly grateful. Event. And if there were even What's the three other sucked. bands. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's no other bands. Like, there's a couple of them I recognize. Um, even the ones that I like, I've already seen, and I wouldn't need to see them there on a huge, like, hassle to see them there. It, uh, no. Yeah, it's just a... I never want to have to go do that. Like, no. It's hot and gross. It's, it's not a... The thing is, you don't have to go do it. That's the thing. I mean... Oh, yeah. You don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, they apparently... I was reading something the other day that like 80 to 83% of the attendees are from out of town. They're not even from Chicago because everybody from Chicago <laughs> looks at it and is like, yeah, I'm not doing that. No, I mean, I mean they serve a lot of deep dish pizza there. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. I'm just, I'm so grateful because if you think about it, all of those, uh, all of the bands playing on those shows have radius clauses, right? So they're not playing any Chicago clubs. All the downlist bands, screw yeah. the headliners, whatever. They're going to play the big stuff anyway. But those downlist bands, I'm just grateful I don't recognize any of them because I don't care if they have radius clauses. You know, all the bands we <laughs> want to see, they're not going anywhere near places like that. So we can actually see them um, hopefully this summer and this fall. On real tours. Um, right? On real proper tours or, you know, like great outdoor experiences. I think there's going to be a lot more self-curated things um, in the midst, at least for a little while. Um, hopefully more. Um because this is certainly an opportunity to do things a little bit differently. And it feels like they're just jumping into the same crap with way more dollars to do so now. Um, hmm. I wonder how much you actually make playing Lollapalooza. My guess is not much to tell you the truth, but yeah. Oh no. I feel like from, from all, but like the top, the top line, you're just playing for uh, exposure, exposure, top two so, lines, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I you know enough to cover your expenses for the band and pay off your management, but you know, like the my morning jacket tickets were like you know they're like two hundred bucks for like a you know a floor seat yeah. at the auditorium, and you know um, eh, I'd like to see him one of those three shows. I saw him with uh, I saw him open. Is it for Bob Dylan? I think it was for Bob Dylan like several years ago. Oh. Yeah. Outside yeah. somewhere. It was wild. Oh, one of those, uh, was that at uh, Toyota Park? Wilco yeah, and Bob Weir? Was. Yeah, we were right? like third or fourth row. Yeah, it was wild. Americana Rama or something like that. Yeah, I think that sounds familiar. Our yeah. friends had tickets, so like I didn't even know what it was until we like showed up. Was, oh, sweet! <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. Yeah, right. we uh, we missed that one. No. Well, why don't we wrap it up for the Music Challenge podcast for this episode? And uh, once again, I'll give our little opinions on Tame Impala inner speaker. Uh, go check it out and uh, have a good time with it. <laughs> and uh, Take it easy, and we'll talk to you uh, in season three. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye, y'all. Good one.